Good morning, everybody. I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. It's December 7th, 2023, and I want to remind everybody that it's uh, Pearl Harbor Day, a day that shall live in infamy, not here on Education Talk Radio, but certainly in history. And just remember the day it was, and it was a day that started World War II for the United States. So it's, uh, it's a big day in our history and sometimes lost in the shuffle of things. And being the old social studies teacher, I just wanted to remind everybody about that. I hope people are touching on it in schools. Okay, welcome to Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. We have a show for you today. We're going to, we're going to go just a little ways from where I am in Maine, <coughs> excuse me, down to Harvard, okay, in Massachusetts, not the, not the city of of Harvard, the actual college called Harvard. Oh, down there, and talk to Paul Paul Peterson and uh, uh, Antonio Wendland, and we're good Wendland. Sorry about that. And we're going to be talking about their report. Okay, from their department at Harvard, we're going to talk about this uh, based on the NAEP, the, the NAEP scores. All right, we're going to be talking about the nation's charter school report card, a report that they just came out with. Okay, and it's interesting how it's all ranked. And with all the chaos and tumult in education these days, more and more people are looking at charter schools. But we have to know how how well they are doing and how well they are managed. And I have to say something, that Paul and Antonio are both government professors, okay, who specialize in education. Okay, so it's a very interesting way to look at this whole situation, and we're going to go from there. just want to say we're going to archive the show over at ACE dash ed.org our home website for the american consortium for equity in education go over there we have our magazine over there equity and access pre-k-12 all the podcasts are there a lot of new information all the time and uh, the report on our uh, the uh, entries on our excellence in equity awards so please check it all out at ace dash ed.org and here's my two guests uh, antonio are you there I think I'm on for you. I'm Paul Peterson. Uh, so thank you very much for inviting me to participate in your program. Dr. Peterson, you are welcome here. I have Antonio's name as well as yours, and I was just going to go down the list and ask if you were there, and I'm glad you are. Thanks for being here. Harvard's certainly been in the news uh, these last few days, i got to tell you. I'm a New Englander, too. It's just really something what's going on down there these days. Well, Harvard captures a lot of news attention for sure. It does. So uh, it's not unusual. Yeah, <laughs> and and I think it's a good institution. I got to tell you. So we're we're going to have a good time today. I I, I hope that this to me is really really interesting. You're a government professor, but your your expertise, if I correct me if I'm wrong, is in education and how states govern education. Would I be correct? Well, that's one area in which I have done quite a bit of work, especially in the last uh, few years. I've been uh, focusing very much on uh, our school system and what we can do to uh, to make it work uh, more effectively. So that's, uh, yeah, that's a topic that has intrigued me. Uh, well, it's, it's fascinating to me. And again, yeah, I just want to tell people this. You are a professor of government, the Henry Lee Shattuck, if I may, professor of government at Harvard, director of the program on education policy and governance, okay, and senior editor of Education Next, the Journal of Opinion and Research, and that's all down at Harvard University. Okay, you've got quite an interesting background down there. And I'm so honored to have you on to, on the show today, sir. 
Well, thank you for inviting me. It's uh, it's an honor to be on your on your uh, podcast. Well, thank you so much. I do appreciate that. Um, tell everybody, and this is this to me is, is something that sometimes gets lost in the shuffle as well. Talk to me about the definition, okay, of a charter school, and 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 why you focused on that, okay, as as this report for the nation the nation's report card on that. Something must have popped. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, well, it's good that you ask, what is the definition of a charter school? Because it's an institution that's sort of uh, poorly understood. If you ask questions uh, of of the uh, cross-section of the population, you'll get a lot of funny answers to it. But (laughs) basically, the uh, idea is that it is a public school that is operated by a nonprofit organization. So the government uh, in each state that has charter schools, and 45 of them do, uh, sets up a procedure that allows one of their agencies, it could be a school district or it could be the state board of education, and they say, um, okay, apply to set up your own school. And so a group of people can apply. They say this school is needed. This is what we're going to do. And if they get authorized, they can set up a school for five years. Usually it's for five years, and then they get reauthorized every five years. And uh, then they can operate the school free of many of the, jurist, of the uh, rules and regulations that uh, typically accompany uh, schools that are operated by school districts. So they're not government-run schools in the way most schools nope. are. Most schools, nope. you work for the government when you you work, for, in this case, for a private agency. But the government pays for it. So it, it's it's paid for by the state monies or the and district monies. Yeah, in the age of hybrid automobiles, this is hybrid education. And I'll tell you, since ch- ch- I, I like charter schools, and I like it when they work well. Okay, because I always describe them. I don't know if you ever saw that movie Jurassic Park, but the the raptors, those those smaller dinosaurs, were able to act quickly. Okay, and make changes where a lot. <laughs> well, that's an interesting. Lost. I haven't heard of that analogy before, but that's uh, that's, me, uh, the, that's what charters often claim that they're exactly they're more they're nimble the raptors, than the your your school districts. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just trying to keep that simple. In your opinion, okay, and I'm, this is the, this is a, and I know we're going to talk about the rankings and all that, but are charter is this the way to go? Are are, we, are charter schools the right thing? What do you think? Well, certainly they are part of the landscape. About seven percent of all students in the United States are now attending a charter school. And they began in 1990, and they've been steadily growing ever since. And so in some places, they're much more than 7%, but nationwide, they're about at 7%. So uh, I think we're going to see steady growth of the charter sector going forward. And, and, you know, and as your report shows, which we'll talk about in a second, it's not even across the board. And I know some people who were down in one of my, where my son used to live down in Louisiana, and they worked at charter schools, and the, the charter schools they worked at, that they worked at, were terrible. They were just poorly run, okay? And so people were getting the same aggra- problem and aggravation from teachers and, and principals down there who did not do a good job. But I think, my feeling is that this takes time to change. We've had a system of education that's been the same for about 200 years, 
All right. And we have to look at ways to make it better, ways to change it, ways to meet the needs of the of the customer, of the learner, et cetera, et cetera. It's really important. And you based all this on the NAEP scores. Am I am I correct? Well, that your your idea there is exactly what our idea was that there's a lot of variety out there in the quality of our charter schools. Yeah. And it probably varies from one state to another. And we now have information that allow us to take a look at that, see which states have the best charter schools. And we found out, I have to go back here, i just got to open this up, I have it right here, of all places, which I thought was interesting, according to your report, Alaska has the best? Alaska? Wow. Uh, this, is, uh, this was the surprise for us. A lot of our <laughs> findings were pretty much as we uh, expected they might be. But but this one we didn't anticipate. And when I talked about it with one of the leading uh, proponents of charter schools, and I, I showed her these results, and she said, you know, we got to check into that, just what's going on in Alaska, because we don't really know that much about Alaska. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so I, I called I, up. Uh, I I have my uh, own program, my own podcast, and I and oh. I had the uh, the superintendent, uh, state superintendent of schools for the state of Alaska, and I asked her this question. Yeah. I said, "What makes you, you know, why is Alaska showing up so so positively?" Mm-hmm. And one of the things she said was, "Well, they cooperate with the public schools. The public schools and the charter schools work really well together in Alaska." You know, that, that's really interesting. And I, too, have had the, super, the state superintendent of uh, instruction on, on this show. And Alaska is a hard place to govern educationally because it is so huge, so spread out, and the communities in many cases are very, very small. All right? So it's hard to, it's hard to, to do education properly in Alaska. And it seems to me, what, what made them the best? As you looked at everything, was it the NAEP scores that just made them the but, best, or...? Or what? Well, the NAEP scores is how we find out that they are coming out on top. That's how we find out about it, but they didn't cause it. So the cause of it has got to be something different. And um, I would say it's probably um, Alaska's had a lot of experience with uh, distance learning and and not running it all, you know, in a tight ship kind of thing. And that's, as you just said, it's such a huge state it's it's 50 percent larger than the state of texas which you know likes to think it's the biggest of everything but it ain't you know alaska is and so alaska spread way out there and for years decades they have had correspondence schools where kids work at home and send their uh, answers in and get graded somewhere and get the information back and so it's not so surprising to Alaskans to have schools that are independently operated and not controlled by some uh, government agency in a very direct way. It, it's just so interesting. They came in, number one, I'll just run down a list here. I, we, you, you, it's all linked to you on, on site, but Colorado, Massachusetts, okay, where I'm, I'm in Maine, okay, you're down in Massachusetts, okay, came in third, New Hampshire, Fourth, okay, and those two states are almost opposite. That's actually an interesting question. I don't know if you even thought about this. Massachusetts liberal, New Hampshire, if I may just stereotype both, conservative, yet they came in number three and number four. What, what, how do you read that? Is that so this well, is you know, it's not a liberal yeah. conservative thing particularly. Uh, That's an important I, I think some yeah. of your best charter yeah. schools are in blue states, and some of your best charter schools are in red states. So 
uh, you can uh, you can find the New Hampshire. Uh, I think one thing that New England has is a history of of, of quality education Absolutely. in general. That's just part of New England. And uh, and there's a lot of good teachers coming out of the colleges in New England, and they're available to be teaching in a. And a lot of them want to do something different than just go, you know, teach in a in a, a traditional school. They they like the challenge of uh, helping to start up a new institution and getting it off the ground. So, I suspect that uh, New Hampshire and and uh, Massachusetts uh, look a lot alike in terms of their schools. I used to live in both, so uh, I know I, I I lived in New Hampshire. I raised my kids there. Then we moved to Massachusetts. Now we live in Maine. So I only got a few New England states to go. But I'm not going to do that. I'm st- I'm staying here in Maine. I love it up here. Okay, so th- this is really interesting. I got to talk about the uh, the bottom of the of the group, the which again is striking. Okay, Pennsylvania comes in fifth to the last. Oregon. These are states you would not expect. Michigan. And at the very, very bottom, okay, is Hawaii. And, and, and when I say the bottom, I really mean the bottom. They really came in in the negative. Any thoughts on that one? Because they were always having trouble out there finding teachers. I do know that. Okay, and what do you think? Well, you know, I just spent some time in Hawaii. Partly I was being self-indulgent. Uh, <laughs> it's a land of... You know, blue skies and and sure and is. wonderful landscapes, uh, and in a marvelous ocean. But um, but the indigenous population, the Hawaiian native population, yep. is suffers very badly in in that world. So when schools were set up at the in around. 1890, 1900, they were set up on the principle that it's only going to be the English language. And that was sort of uh, made some sense because they were they had immigrants from all over Asia uh, moving into Hawaii. They have mm-hmm. Japanese, Chinese, Filipinos, uh, people from the islands uh, in the Pacific. And, and, and so they are a melting pot. You know, they're, they're a melting pot. And so they said, we're, we've got to teach them one language. It's going to be English. Everybody has wow. to learn English. No, you know, no, you don't keep your native tongue. Well, that had a very negative effect on yeah. the indigenous population. The, the, you know, it was their their land. And, and they wanted, you know, their culture was being suppressed. And so yes, they they were the biggest proponents of charter schools. So the charter school movement is a movement of the Hawaiian Renaissance. Wow. Hawaiian Renaissance says we want to preserve our culture. And a lot of charter schools are teaching, um, they're teaching in their native tongue. Uh, they're not teaching in English. Really? They're not allowed to right. teach in English. You, you go to school and you speak only Hawaiian. Wow. So that's part of, part of what you're seeing. And 50% of the school's uh, in of the charter schools in Hawaii yeah. are explicitly focused on preserving uh, Hawaiian culture. So I think that's probably a big part of that story. But why why would it draw, draw them down so low? Is it just because there's not enough qualified teachers, that there's not well, enough qualified materials? I visited sense? two of these schools yeah. that were immersion schools, and they were wonderful schools. I just love those schools. <laughs> I, I've written this up in a in a, in a in a piece that I wrote for Education Next, 
Uh, so if any yeah. of your listeners want to look it up on the Education Next, they can read the story of what it's like in, in Hawaii. And and they're just marvelous schools, wonderful teachers. Uh, they're teaching only in Hawaiian. Now, if you're going to be tested in English and you're going to be taught in Hawaiian, how well are you going to do You know, yeah, well. the first thing you want to do is to be tested in your own in the language that you're being instructed in. Now, a lot of these students at the school do speak English because – uh, you know, you're, it, in Hawaii, the Hawaiian language is almost totally obliterated. So, so their parents yeah, probably speak uh, speak English at home, but they're not being taught in English at school. So, therefore, you know, they're not being prepared for the for the national assessment tests, which are always always in English. Yeah, and that's really something we got to think about because the other challenge of that, and I I really do respect the fact that they're doing their native language and all that. I appreciate that a great deal. Okay. But the problem is, as you just mentioned, they're going to be tested. They're going to move on. They're going to go to college or whatever in English, not Hawaiian. Okay. Well, this is true. This This is true. It's a trade-off, you know, and, 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 uh, again, I love the native culture thing. I really do. I think it's great, but wow. But, you know, the character (laughs) that they're teaching, they're really focusing on social and emotional learning, on character development, Mm -hmm. because one of the huge problems of the indigenous community in Hawaii is that you have very high suicide rates, you have very high, uh, you know, uh, alcohol, substance abuse. All of this is is a serious problem. So building character is really what the Hawaiian Renaissance is all about. And there is a lot of opportunity within Hawaii itself for jobs in which the Hawaiian language is is, is valuable. So, you know, the tourist trade oh, I have uh, no doubt it's is, valuable. I have no doubt is one valuable. of the things that you'll see a, lo- a lot of Hawaiian spoken is within the tourist trade. And it's a wonderful thing to hear and a wonderful thing to see people do in preserving their heritage. I'm just, and I I understand exactly what you said, but I'm just so concerned about them as they move on because you you limit yourself. I hate to have people limit themselves. And I have to ask this question. I don't know if you know the answer to this because I know this is about charter schools. But Hawaii was at the bottom, let's say number 45, okay, or 43, which because not every state has charters. Okay, so they were at the bottom. But how are their schools? And by the way, that's what—that's the only state with one school district, the school district of Hawaii. Okay, um, how how are how are the charters compared to the, uh, the to the public schools? So the charters are public schools to the to the government schools, the native the, the regular schools, the public. Well, schools. I don't have a direct comparison of them. We yeah. just rank the the schools relative to, to charter schools in other states, so it's a little hard to say. Uh, you know, Hawaiian schools don't rank uh, all that high in general. Yeah. Now, there you is a lot of variation uh, in Hawaii, as there is everywhere else. There are very good schools in Hawaii, and you know, and there and there are weak ones. But you know, I do think that uh, you know, it's not um, a lot could be the the fact that they're run by this, the state of Hawaii. It doesn't. You know, there are some issues there because every island is its own island. And you've got, uh, you know, four major islands and they're all being run out of Honolulu. And so I found those those big uh, schools 
very uh, conventionally designed, uh, all policies being sort of decided in Honolulu, very insensitive to the, the, the variations that exist in this wonderful landscape. And it is a wonderful landscape, and that point is beautifully taken. I got to tell you that there are a lot of islands there, okay? And every island has its own culture. And again, they're the only state with one school district, okay? And, you know, we believe in equity here. You got to engage people in their own, for education, you have to engage them, what's important to them, okay? You know, it's an accident of history, you know. It became unified about 10 years before the United States took control of Hawaii around, uh, you know, around. 1897 or somewhere yeah, in that. Yeah. And, and so they inherited from the indigenous uh, government a unified educational system. So it was sort of an accident of history. It wasn't like it was ever planned this way. Yeah, they, they, and like I, I always tell them whenever I'm talking to somebody from Hawaii, they're always saying that they can't get teachers. And I always tell them they should go after uh, New York teachers and Massachusetts teachers, et cetera, that have retired, that have a great pension, okay, and can use some five years retirement, give them free housing or something. Everything would work better, including for charters, et cetera. And on that note, Dr. Peterson, you have all this information here. Alaska at the top, Hawaii, oddly the 49th and 50th state, okay? And I'm curious, okay, and again, you're a professor of government. Okay, what do you want to come out of your research? When all said and done and you really look at this, what do, ha- what do you want to happen? Well, I think I, what I want to happen is what's happening. Uh, I wanted people to have some more conversations about where are charter schools really doing a great job, as they are in Colorado uh, and in Oklahoma yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and in the Florida and in uh, Massachusetts and New Jersey right. and New York and, and, and New York. Let's go down and New York. It, yeah, so all I'll these read the top ten: it, Alaska, it's, Colorado, Mass, it, it, New Hampshire. It, it, it enriches yeah. the conversation to know that you know excellence can be found in very unlikely places, and there's a lot <laughs> to be learned. Right, there really is. We really have to look at this because, as I say, education—I'll uh, call it pu- public education—is changing. Okay, it's changing more and more since the pandemic, and we need rankings like this. I want to thank you for being here, Dr. Peterson. You're, you're, it's, 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 a, it's an, like I said, it's an honor to have you here. Thank you for being with us today. Well, I'm, I'm. It's an honor to be on your, on your, on your program, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm grateful that you've asked me to participate. So thank you very much. Well, thank you, sir, and have a uh, happy holiday season. And the same to you. Thank you. <laughs> you take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Okay, everybody. That's Dr. Paul Peterson from Harvard. He's the Henry Lee Shattuck Professor of Government, Director and Program on Education Policy and Governments. Governance. Governments? Governance. Looking at education from the governmental point of view. I think it's fascinating. And he's a fascinating man. Thank you for being with us. Dr. Peterson, we're going to archive the show. And I want to mention it was Antonio Wendland, the Associate Director of Harvard's Program on Education Policy and Governance, who put this show together for me. And he had his name at the top of the sheet, which is why I thought he was going to be here, too. Okay, we're going to archive over at ace-ed.org. My name is Larry Jacobs. Thanks for listening.
Do 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 do